Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome to our show today. We have some great and fabulous things that we're going to be talking about. But first of all, we want to know who is sitting at your table. <laughs> you, you threw me <laughs> off. Well, okay, so it, that's a good question because neither one of us cooks. <laughs> and so it's like, I don't, I can't really tell you the last time I invited somebody over to sit around my table for a home cooked meal and no judging, no judging, <laughs> but I do have people come over and sit and gab and maybe graze a little bit and, you know, just kind of hang, but it's yes. like, I don't ever cook a formal meal. Do you? Well, you already know that answer to that. Because I just want you to confess <laughs> it. I, I do one formal meal and it's, um, manicotti. And I do that every single time. But it that makes me think of a time when you and I were driving down the road and we had this amazing team that we worked with that were they were highly, highly gifted and talented and they would decorate over and beyond whatever we would imagine. But they entertained like crazy. Yeah. I mean, every time we yeah. went to a party at their house, we would always walk away just literally it was beyond over our highest expectations. But one time we were sitting, we were driving down the road and they made a comment about having guests over for dinner and, or no, they went to somebody's house and they had a frozen lasagna from Costco or Sam's club or something. Stouffer's. And they could not believe they were invited over to somebody's house. And here they had a frozen lasagna from the store, which I looked at you and I just remember Busting up laughing, going. Because to me, that's cooking. Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe I didn't use paper plates. At least I had it on a, you know, a real plate, but I, I didn't see the problem with going and getting a packaged salad. And, you know, maybe to me, that's croutons. a homemade meal because I didn't order it out. <laughs> right. It's like I had to turn my oven on for it. But it did make me step up my game. So from then on, I do a homemade manicotti dinner when I have people over, but it's always that, that same thing, or I'll do like a taco bar or, yeah, I just had a big graduation party for my kids and that's what we did. We did the whole, you know, you, you have a couple crock pots going and you do the bar full of food. And so it's more of that. Yeah. Like you said, it's the grazing kind of food where people don't necessarily have to sit down because we're all about the more, the merrier you right. pack people in and, and informal. Yes. And just like where you can just like, and I don't care. And I don't, we don't have to all sit down at the same time and you know, that kind of thing. We're just kind of come and go and, and whatever. So, okay. But before we get, we want to stop right now, put on pause. All before right. Before we get too far into our show, we want to remind everyone that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, and I was going to say, later on in the show, we have coming up soon, we have author Hillary Lodge-Manton 
speaking coming to us and we have sarah Cantu with the ministry of bloom talking so we got a good show yes we do and going back to who's sitting at your table i have to say we say this every year but may is always 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 a crazy month it's we'll plan something because you know in march it doesn't sound like may is too full and then you forget that once may hits it's like a blink of an eye and you're just loaded up. You and I were just saying how you just spoke for Mother's Day, which that alone is like having 20,000 events when you have to speak. It, it was a little. I was doing people. happy dance come yes, Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yes, you were. Twirling, you know, happy, <laughs> full of energy. Yeah. But May is crazy. And like for our family, we have five family birthdays in the month uh, of May. Crazy. And yes. then you have graduations like you're and that plethora of graduation mode. I have a Friday night we're doing a big party for all the seniors as they graduate just in leading them in high school and then Saturday there's like three open house you know graduation parties and another one on Sunday and you just your calendar gets so packed and you really we were talking about that of how do you set those boundaries where it's almost like you have the A list and the B list and you don't want to, you don't want to think of it that way. But at some point you go, okay, I have got to um, figure out just because you're invited to something, just because I, I have a, another gal who wants to stay for the weekend, you get to the point where I have to have certain boundaries because okay, and you, you are an extrovert. Well, kind of, I think we both, we both are extroverts, but we have that introverted. And I think as we're, as we're maturing in life, <laughs> um, where you, you, you start really craving that time alone a little yeah. bit more and, and looking for that. So do you find that like in the middle? Cause it used to be, I used to joke with you and all your family and everybody is around you and your, your utopia. Yeah. I mean, you were just, so is utopia getting a little more introvert, introverted? It, yes. Yes. You're right. Cause I wanted to live on a compound and I would be perfectly like elated. It would be blissful if my entire family lived there and everybody just, you know, like a commune kitchen and had all that. But I noticed like last weekend we had a, a, a party and my girlfriend from college said, you, you're just really quiet. Are you okay? And it, it caught me off guard because I didn't think I was being quiet. Or that I, anybody noticed. <laughs> yes. It's like, well, I guess I am. I'm just tired. Yes. <laughs> so you do, you get to that point where you're ready to um, unplug. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, we've kind of talked about this. We're going off, you know, on temperaments, but I find my temperament, it's, it has a little bit of a chameleon edge to it, you know? So yeah. if I'm around somebody high energy, that brings the high energy out of me. If I'm with kind of low key people, I kind of go low key. And, you know, as, um, I think you mentioned last week on the radio, I just got back from being in Israel, Palestine. And, um, you know, I was just, I just found myself for some reason, that trip kind of being my more introverted self. Mm. And it was really interesting because I really thought about it. I'm like, I don't like my introverted self as much, mm. but, but I like my introverted times. Mm-hmm. I'm finding as I get, I like, I, I really like that time to just be, mm-hmm. whether it's to read, whether it's just to think, put some music on just to kind of be by yourself to kind of regroup. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting how we change over time or, or seasons or maybe what we're involved in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if you have a lot of um, high energy around you and people, then I think you, you look for those moments, those pockets of time where you can just kind of be, Yeah, you know? And that's really interesting. Um, you and I have, you know, through this self-discovery over the last 16 years where you do start realizing who you are and 
who you are not. Yeah. And I remember this was probably our second or third date of us meeting and we met at Starbucks and we ended up literally shutting it down. We, we were there for hours and we went outside on this brick wall and we sat out there until it was probably after midnight, but, but maybe not because there was landscaper guys out there that were, they were blowing the sidewalk. Yes. And, and I just remember we were, we found ourselves. But it didn't stop us from talking. We, <laughs> we were, were talking yelling. louder over the, yeah. the blow. We're like yelling over them. And then we realized what we were doing and we thought, okay, we could go sit in the car, but I remember or go home. <laughs> yes. Driving home. And at that point we had just gone through a temperament study and you had told me you were phlegmatic and I was sanguine and and I, I, I remember talking to you, and at that point, I think you were already home, and you were in your closet. Yes. And you were hanging up your clothes, and I said, you are not a phlegmatic. I don't know, like, what world that you live in, but you are such a sanguine. And, I mean, we must have laughed to our, yeah. our stomach hurt that night. Yeah. But it is funny how other people see you differently because like you said, well, I am, a, I'm, I'm almost equal phlegmatic with the sanguine. And so it does depend on who I'm with. Yeah. And because you were such a talker and <laughs> high energy, you totally bring out my sanguine side. Yeah. So I don't see the other side. Not that much. No. Of you. Uh-uh. So it was just funny yeah. to, that, and that really is interesting as we've talked about this a lot, but as we, as, as seasons of life change, as circumstances change, you find yourself going, okay, who am I now? And I'm like, huh, I'm changing a little bit. I'm maybe not the same person. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating because it's always, you're always discovering more about yourself. Yes. You know, and even as we talked about who's sitting around your table, um, you know, who are the people that come into your life at different seasons and that are sitting around your table? Well, that are kind of your tribe. We've talked about tribes, you know? So who, who do you invite around your table for conversation at this point in life as opposed to maybe 10 years ago. Yes. Well, speaking of sitting around our table, you were over here talking about shallow things, sitting at Starbucks and laughing our behindies off after you just got back from Israel and you had amazing stories of who you sat around the table with. So tell us about that before we go well, on. Well, you know, I was on a, a journey of um, peacemaking. And kind of like exploring, what does an everyday peacemaker look like? You know, what is practically, what could that look like? And so we were over in a very conflicted, complicated land, Israel and Palestine. And we just got to meet some amazing people over there who are really doing the work of peacemaking amidst, you know, their own personal challenges mm. and, and loss and pain, which is always amazing to me. So we, we actually, on one day, we, I mean, we had numerous occasions to sit with you know, just amazing people. But on this one thing, we were sitting at a table and was sitting around the table with two women. And one was an Israeli woman and one was a a Palestinian. Both had their husbands had been killed to somebody from the other side. Mm. And so instead of like, you know, the Israeli woman hating Palestinians and the Palestinian woman hating Israelis, they have chosen, they're part of this organization called um, parent circle, which it, they're bereaved families for peace. And so they, they've chosen, okay, we're going to change the story. We're not going to promote more violence because violence took our, our husbands away. Mm. We are going to start, you know, changing the tone and like, what could it look like if we started talking peace and reconciliation? And so it was fascinating to see, just even visually see these two women sitting next mm. to each other in the midst of their pain. And I got to tell you one, one amazing thing is as each one spoke and took and was talking about the other, you know, what the, the pain that the other side had done, 
each woman sat there listening to the other talk and like honored their stories. Mm. You could just tell it was like, didn't try to interrupt, didn't try to get defensive, which is so much, you know, yeah. our posture. And when I want to defend why that could have happened and just kind of held their stories and mm -hmm. let them speak and let them kind of talk about their pain. And then it was interesting because at one point the, the uh, Israeli woman said, you know, when you, when you were over at my house, da, 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 and the Palestinian woman goes, I have never been to your house. <laughs> and, and, the, and the Israeli woman goes, you've never been to my house? Okay, then we're going to make that happen. You're going to come over wow. to my house. And that was like, like this in right in the middle of their talk. Mm -hmm. And so you just go, that's what life should be. That's how we, that's how our tables should mm -hmm. look is the others coming together. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Hillary Manton Lodge and together at the table. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that working out for 30 minutes a day will improve your health and make you feel oh so good. But if you are on a quest to lose weight, you should be looking to exercise aerobically for 45 minutes to an hour. I know that may sound daunting, but it's really not. You don't have to kill yourself to keep your heart rate up for 45 to 60 minutes. I know people who put their iPod on and walk for an hour a day. Consequently, they are losing weight, increasing their energy, and feeling great. On the other hand, if you're like me and want to maintain your present weight, then 30 minutes of cardio a day is perfect. The benefits of cardio exercise are fast. And even if you're not trying to lose weight, it is necessary and vital to your health. So schedule in your cardio exercise six to seven days a week and watch your health, energy, and outlook on life improve. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we've been chatting about who is sitting at your table, and we now have best-selling author Hillary Manton Lodge sitting at our table. She is the author of Together at the Table, Reservations for Two, A Table by the Window, and Plain Jane. She's a storyteller at heart, and in her free time, she enjoys experimenting in the kitchen, watching foreign films, which you know I gobble right that up, <laughs> and exploring her most recent hometown of Portland, Oregon. So welcome, Hillary. And I just have to ask you, what is the weather like in Portland? Is it raining? 
there or do are, are you going um it is gorgeous and sunny right now i really i have no complaints no complaints we were just talking about that uh yesterday it was supposedly it's going to hit 101 or 103 here today and oh. well but then we we were talking about but if you lived in portland you would be going through depression because it's never as sunny as it is here so i just thought i'd give you some uplifting <laughs> news of what we chat about when we talk about portland <laughs> my, my niece you know, is there so that's why we were discussing that okay <laughs> yeah global warming Sweet. has been very kind to to the pacific northwest <laughs> hey, well, we were, I don't know if, we, if you've been eavesdropping in our conversation, but we were talking about, you know, you, you know, your book, Together at the Table, mm-hmm. and we were talking about sitting around our tables and, you know, just the conversations we have. And um, Patty and I are not the cuisine queens um, that will have the homemade meals, but no, but no we understand. I, I think I can take Hillary. I think we should do a cook-off, and I, I think I can probably take her. Hillary, I'm, vo- I'm voting for you. <laughs> I'm totally on your side. Yeah, I will, I will take that taken um, okay. yeah we'll, we'll do that yeah I, I just want you to know you don't have a lot of competition so you're you're really good the bar is really low and I love Patty but I'm just telling you I know her the bar is low um I gotta tell you the thing with the foreign films I just have to say just a funny story because Patty loves foreign films and mm-hmm. I, I always knew that but I I really realized that on a flight one time we were going to Africa and you know how on the on the on the planes nowadays you can get you know there's a plethora of movies you can pick from, and so mm-hmm. she has her earbuds in. She's sitting on an aisle. I'm a few rows back, and so I get up to kind of stretch and walk the aisle, and I go to to talk to her, and and so I start to talk to her, and she has her earbuds in, and she's just she's like glued to the screen, and so I look at her, and and I go is that a foreign film? <laughs> and she's like, cause I see these, you know, captions, you know, and, uh-huh. and she's like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, for Pete's sakes. She was like glued to this foreign film on the plane. And I'm like, you really do love your foreign films. So anyway, we just had a laugh. I don't see that very often. So in your bio, when you're like, she likes foreign films, it's like, Oh no, I am so outnumbered on this. <laughs> it grows you, right? It grows you. <laughs> It does. Well, and what's great is that the ones that make it here are quite often like the really, really good ones. So, yeah, it's it's worth checking out the good ones. So I got to okay. admit, when uh, when I got connected on, I was um, I somehow pressed something on my phone that put me on hold. So I don't know if you greeted me and I didn't respond because I pressed terrible buttons because apparently that's the thing that I do. So anyway, I'm very happy to be here. It's okay. (laughs) We were talking about you behind your back. It's fine. (laughs) I've never known I could do that before. (laughs) I have to ask you what, what is uh, the latest or the best foreign movie that you watched recently? Oh, that is a very good question. So naturally my mind is completely blanking at the moment. I just saw, um, I, and it, I went to an Italian film festival a couple weekends ago, um, and the film was, I want to say the name of the sun um, was the title, and it was in Italian. And, you know, it was Italian, so it was kind of a little bit all over the place, but the ending really paid off um, for that one. But I think one of the ones that I come back to the most is Heartbreaker. If you are really looking for a solid romantic comedy, which America doesn't tend to make very often anymore. Um, It's got Ramondri and Vanessa Paradis and it's just so charming and so fun. And you'll forget that it's a French film because it just 
is, is so slick and so clever. Mm, okay. I wrote that down. All right. So you have to tell us, you are such a storyteller at heart. Um, tell us what Together at the Table is your third and final book um, in the Two Blue Doors series. So how did it feel to go, all right, this is it. I've got to pack everything I can possibly think of into this final close of this chapter. Uh, you know, at, at that point when it's been so successful, you think, oh, okay, I can make this a 10 series book. <laughs> I had a, a, a reviewer say, oh, I think I can totally see a fourth book. And I'm sitting here going, no, no, we can't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it really was that like, we have to fit everything into here. It's the longest of the, um, all of the books in the series. And there was one small plot line that I had initially planned on wrapping up differently, but the way that the historical plot line kind of took hold in this series, it really felt cluttered to include that. So at one point, you know, you have to, you know, be mindful of saying everything else that you, you know, can into it. But on the other hand, you really have to be mindful and edit and keep it streamlined so it doesn't just feel like you're throwing all of your loose ends um, you know, and damn the book, like you still have to tell a cohesive story. Um, so it was exciting to finally get to wrap everything up, but really daunting to make sure that all of the, you know, pieces that the readers really want to see are in there. Um, and really exciting. It's just been so exciting to, to get to read readers' responses to it. It's been a very warm reception. Mm. Well, how do you know that ahead of time that this is going to be like a three series of a three book series or a five book series. Do you decide that when you're writing your first book or do you kind of decide that when you're like into your second one and going, I think I can do this in three. How, how do you determine that? Well, we initially pitched it as a three book series. It was initially one book and then um, we kind of toyed with it and added some subplots. And by the time all of the subplots, the historical angle wasn't the original concept. Um, and so by the time that got added in, it was like, okay, we're going to need three books, you know, because this is just getting really sprawly. By the time I finished the second book, I really went back and forth with my editor because at that point we were kind of thinking about maybe truncating it and having the second book wrap up the entire series and kind of really shifting the concept. Um, and then went back and I decided, you know, I really did want to sink in and invest in the entirety of the story as it was originally planned. Um, I figured out how exactly to pull it off because I don't always figure all of this out ahead of time. It's one of, you mm -hmm. know, one of the ways that writers can live on the edge. <laughs> and, um <laughs> So, so you know, finished out, you know, editing book two to remain book two, and then dove into book three. Um, and I'm really happy with, with that decision, because I think it just gave the story extra time to breathe. And I think it landed um, in a way that just packed a little bit more emotional punch, because you had invested some extra time with the character's journey. So mm -hmm. I think it worked out. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. So many people um, nowadays, you know, like genealogy and wanting to know your family history and know about, mm -hmm. you know, family members. And at the same time, a lot of a lot of people, you know, are discovering even later in life, like some family secrets so things they didn't even know was in their family that had been covered up. And I know one of your characters, Juliet, um, she kind of discovers some things in life um, from her grandmother or something mm -hmm. that her grandmother kind of held. And so as you're doing this process, did um, 
did this make you want to dive into your own? Have you, as you're writing about somebody else's family history and Juliet discovering and unpacking some things, did you go, huh, I wonder in my own family, because I've thought about that, and I remember, mm-hmm. I remember as a teenager finding out something about our family. Uh, I remember finding out we had an uncle that I had no idea. And it's like, what do you mean we have this? My dad has another brother? I had no idea. You know, and it's like you start discovering things going, okay, where did this come from? I wanted to know secrets about my mom and dad. Like, yeah. as I became a teenager, I saw my mom treating things differently, like certain situations. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'd like to unpack this. Like, where is this coming from? Yeah, what does this mean? I yeah. Not, yeah, there's more meaning here. Did you find that in your own, in your own family history? Um, not while writing this, but we do have, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Um, we, my, my family, because we have an archaeologist in the family, um, we're, we're kind of pre-aware of a lot of those, you know, little pieces. We do have a family story where one of my great uncles had a first marriage that had, um, a child from that marriage and that marriage dissolved and, um, you know, he moved across the country and remarried and started a new life. And that son grew up always wanting to find his father. And so as an adult, when he was traveling every new city that he went to, he would look in that city's phone book and look for his dad's name. And eventually he found it. And he drove over to the house and his dad happened to, you know, be out in the driveway and they reconnected and stayed, you know, connected throughout the rest of their lives. Wow. Okay, that's kind of wild. That's just recently we had a gal on our team where um, she had a, a half-sister out there that found mm-hmm. her on Facebook. And she didn't. She had no idea that she had a sister at all. And um, they looked so much alike. They were, I was like, identical twins. I mean, it was just crazy. But she had known that her dad had a family. And she was okay. kind of like that... Uh, that sister that no one was supposed to know about, that daughter that was mm-hmm. just out there. So this whole time she knew about it, but our our teammate didn't. And I just think that's so interesting how, as an adult, you can find something out that would truly kind of blow your mind. All right, I have, I have one more thing before we, we just have a, a minute till break. But mm-hmm. recently, um, it wasn't a foreign film. It was a documentary on twins. And it was these two gals that they came from Korea and they both had the same birth date, but one of them had made a YouTube video and someone and she was in the United States, someone in London saw it and said, wow, this looks just like my friend showed it to her. And so these gals are in their twenties and they ended up being identical twins. It was kind of like parent traps separated at birth and they found out through YouTube that they were identical twins because just amazing that's a good story right there hillary <laughs> it really is <laughs> i think i think patty wants to help you with that well we're gonna have to put your story on hold and and hillary don't hit another button okay because we're gonna be right back and we're not <laughs> very that. careful um, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come right back and continue talking about this and you know even family history and and discovery so we'll be right back
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. use computers and smart devices on a daily basis without giving much thought to the history behind the technology. The first website ever created was dedicated to information about the World Wide Web and went live on August 6, 1991. The first instant message was sent by Ted Leonsis to his wife via American Online in January 1993. It read, don't be scared, it is me, love you and miss you. He later became AOL's vice chairman. The first sentence uttered on Skype was in Estonia in April 2003. As an avid Internet spelunker, someone who constantly searches the web but never finds what they're looking for, the Internet usually just gives me a case of trichotillomania. That's the irresistible urge to pull one's hair out. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with best-selling author Hillary Manton Lodge, who is the author of Together at the Table, Reservations for Two, A Table by the Window, and Plain Jane. She is a storyteller at heart, and in her free time, she enjoys experimenting in the kitchen, which, of course, we've already mocked, so we won't mock that again. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about... Uh, I think we mocked us. <laughs> yes, we wouldn't do that to you, Hillary. But we have been um, chatting about the secrets that you have in your background, and especially some of the... Well, not the secrets we have, the secrets <laughs> in our families. We, we don't want to talk about Let's those clarify secrets. that. Okay, I do have to say... Whenever I hear someone say, oh, everyone has a secret, everybody has something in their closet, I always think, wait, what's my secret? Like, I want some, like, major secret. No, you don't. No, you don't. But do you ever feel that way? Like, No, I don't want a major secret. It's like, okay, everyone has a secret? Like, really? At what point in your life do you just get these major secrets that you have? Well, I, think I was going to say, maybe your secret is ahead of you. Oh, great. So I oh, I like that angle. I like that. Now, that could be a good, like, book topic. Your secret is ahead of you. I like mm-hmm. that. Okay. I'm going to look for that with Patty. See, her secret is yet to come. Um, okay. I want to go to your your your, um, your series come, like, with the table and, you know, together at the table. How did that concept how did I, cause I, I think that's such a great concept because so much of life happens around tables and conversations and planning and dreaming and you know, bringing different voices together at the tables. Can you just kind of elaborate on that, how that 
the significance of that for you? Um, we just really chose it as, you know, the, kind of the gathering point for the story. It all takes place in the restaurant business. Um, the original title when we were pitching it as a single book was A Table for Two. So we kind of scrambled a little bit, you know, for the first book, what do we call the first book if it's not, you know, that. And really loved, you know, the idea of the table by the window where, you know, it can be one, it can be many, you know, you have a view. Um, but I just think the table is such a wonderful focal point of, you know, it's where the food goes. It's where you gather around. And even if there's not food, we'll have family over and people just kind of gravitate toward the table. Um, mm-hmm. There's usually food there. Well, and, you know, we meet at, like, coffee houses, you know, with a cup of coffee around the table. I mean, really, a lot of life does happen on the table, and it's really significant to the table. I know, like, you know, like I said, I was just in the Middle East, and, you know, the table is a gathering place, and it always has been food. And um, and just how you even serve coffee there communicates to a guest if you want them to stay, you know, an hour or if you want them to stay overnight. I mean, there's so many customs in – and the, the cultures like regarding serving a meal and what food you serve and how you serve it. And it, it's fascinating because it really goes back to hospitality mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, being together, but, you know, even bringing, how do we start, you know, you, you hear the negotiating table and all these different things, you know, where you bring others opposites together. And I think it, the table concept is really intriguing. And there's a lot, you know, that a lot of metaphors there that we can learn just even in life, you know, who do we bring around, that table to sit with and we've we've kind of moved away from all of the 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 table time because because we don't cook yeah (laughs) well just even (laughs) just the fast food life like table time is in a car driving and it's it's really kind of sad because there is so much of that bonding time when you sit around a table well and we don't have people over to our houses as much sit around our own tables we'll Mm -hmm. go out and sit around a table um, and so, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, of with that, which is, is very intriguing. So as you are writing the series and as you're concluding it, your third book, um, mm-hmm. what have you learned about yourself in this writing? Cause you're, you're developing characters you're pouring into, I'm sure you're doing research on different, you know, thoughts and emotions. What, what has been your own personal learning curve as you've written the series? Um, I think with the series, the, the biggest takeaways for me have been a little bit more in writing technique and kind of learning how to keep things going even when it, it just feels really overwhelming because it can be really overwhelming, at least it was for me, um, you know, to keep all three books, you know, on track and to keep the tension up and to keep the plot moving um, for that length of time and to not lose reader interest in there. Um, so I'm a really big fan of journaling, of being able to use, you know, handwriting to be able to kind of be a a stimulant for thought because I feel like you're using a different part of your brain um and I felt like that really helped me as I as I kept going um and yeah just kind of just really a lot of sheer determination with this it took a lot of stubbornness to pull it off Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so did did it require more discipline? Because to me, you know, sit down and people talk about writing and, and doing that. And that it really is a discipline because so many times, you know, even when we do our blogs and stuff, it's like I will just stare at the – even if I have an idea, I will just still stare at the screen going, okay, how do I position this? How do I, how do I communicate in an engaging way? And I can't imagine writing a three-book no. series – or you have to come up with that. You do. We always talk about our shower thoughts or I'll go on a hike and I'll write the whole thing in my head. And then when I go back and sit down, 
everything that sounded so fabulous. You're like, oh, not so much, not so much on that. (laughs) Well, and then I think for me, that's where the journaling comes in, because if I'm, you know, in a position where I can't write, if I'm, you know, I'm driving around um, quite a lot these days, so I'll have my journal with me and I can write notes in the car um, that I can take back with me later. I mean, you really do have to be dogmatic about making sure that the writing time exists. And sometimes you have to carve it out with, you know, an axe because, you know, it, you just have to fight for it. And it can be hard because, you know, life can have all sorts of, you know, varying things going on that will require your attention with just as meaningful a way. Um, but I think being able to, you know, keep track of those thoughts and then remember what those thoughts are, you know, no matter how you're you know, choosing to write it down. I've also written things down on my smartphone. Um, you know, being able to keep track of things, I think, is, is just, you know, it, it, it's a good life skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you have a set goal of I'm going to write two hours every day or I'm going to write 500 words? You know, do you have a, a system like that or do you just truly go, I'm going to do it every day? Um, I do have word count goals, so kind of depending on where I'm at and how many words I've got previously. Right now, my goal is to be writing between 1,000 and 1,500 words a day, and that might take four hours. It might take 12 hours, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, like, what really matters for me at the end of the day is I have to have gotten those words out because it doesn't matter how many hours I spent if I didn't actually, you know, get the words out. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's definitely word count. Hmm. Well, and that is such a great discipline in journaling. I always I always have great intentions, but I'm just, you know, it's really hard for me to sit down and journal. You have about 10 journaling books. I, I have a plethora of them. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, they, they're, really cute. they're really cute journaling well, books. Well, I mean, they have. have about five to ten pages in each one. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it is interesting. Okay, well, Hillary, how can um, – how can our listeners find more about you? And what is your next project? What are you working on now? Well, the project I'm working on right now is really quite a lot of fun. It's called Jane of Austen, and it's um, the Jane Austen Sense and Sensibility story mm. set in Austin, Texas. And Ooh. the spin on it is it's current day, and it's from the perspective of Marianne, who's the, the middle sister of the three Dashwood sisters, and so Jane is Marianne, Marianne Ted character, and her older sister Celia. Um, they have to leave their tea shop in San Francisco because the rent prices are sky high, um, and they decamp to Austin, Texas, and set up a new life there. And it's just been it's been a challenge. It's been a lot of fun uh, working, you know, within the Austin framework, um, you know, with the original novel has been um, really, really interesting getting to research more about her as a writer and the way she uses subtext and character. And yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. How did you, how did you decide like Austin for the backdrop? Because of the so, title. Right. Um, my, not my agent, my um, editor actually had the story and I think it came to her through an agent that had pitched her a book and had misspelled, um, Jane Austen's surname okay. and so she got the idea of you know what if we did you know Jane of Austen and because Austen's got a really thriving food culture she thought of me and we worked on it from there wow so have you gone and visited Austen quite a bit 
to do research? I haven't yet. It's in the future. Okay. So okay. I decided to wait until Texas is really, really hot, and that's when I'm going to, you know, totally go for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, and that doesn't make any sense at all, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and as we live in Arizona, um, we avoid the heat. Yes. But, yeah, so that, yes, that is the dream. And so how do our readers, our, our listeners, find out more about your projects and, and follow you and keep up with you? Yeah, there are lots of different ways. I think the easiest starting point is just for them to go over to my website, which is hillarymantonlodge.com. Um, from there, they can find my Facebook page, my Pinterest, Instagram. I've also just started a monthly newsletter um, that readers can sign up for that will have not only exclusive book news, but it will have exclusive recipes and interviews and, you know, fun clickable links that are, you know, the sorts of things that I'm interested that readers would be interested in, too. Um, so that's it's been a recent really fun thing that's going. And, uh, yeah, Twitter. I'm on Twitter also. But, yeah, so lots, lots and lots of options. Wherever people are kind of hanging out on social media, I'm usually not far. Well, we just have uh, two minutes before we have to say goodbye. And we just want to thank mm-hmm. you again for being on the show. And we've had you on in the past, and you were just delightful. We love hearing what's going on in your life. But you have to tell us what is one of your favorite recipes? I, you had rudely not pushed the right button, so you missed my beautiful um, story of <laughs> Manhattan. Uh, so what is your one go-to meal that you like to have people to sit around your table? Well, the one that's my very favorite right now is also um, one of the recipes I included in Together at the Table, and it's this slow-cooked beef ragu recipe um, that you do in a um, in a Dutch oven, and it's really easy to pull together, and it's so good. And if you serve it over fresh pasta, like people will love you forever. Um, and it's a really great thing to serve for a kept crowd because it makes a ton. I've made it for two family gatherings now. Um, and it's really easy. So you get, you know, big flavor without a whole lot of work. So that's the well, one. Okay, and readers Hillary, can find out I was going to tell you, you lost Patty at the Dutch oven. But um, <laughs> that was fabulous. So we'll have to do that. Hey, thank you again for joining our show and, and your recipe. And you've challenged us a little bit. I think we're going to go out to lunch, though, after this um, and, and grab some Mexican food because you've gotten us hungry now. Hey, we appreciate you. You're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. We're going to take a break and be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
the average five-year-old asks about 400 questions a day. I overheard an embarrassing one. A little boy was talking to his grandmother on the telephone and said, I haven't seen you in a long time, Grandma. Are you in heaven? What do you call a small person who talks a lot? A yif-yaf. Not to be confused with a yip-yap, which is a young, scatterbrained person. Here are some questions I think we've all wondered. If humans evolve from monkeys and apes, why do we still have monkeys and apes? Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Where did the phrase, curiosity killed the cat, come from? It's actually a 16th century American saying that daredevil, curious cats, can sometimes get into trouble. Here's a couple of other words for daredevils. Hardy darties or harem scarums. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, joining us now is Sarah Cantu, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom to connect, empower, and lead. And Bloom empowers women to maximize their role in starting churches. Bloom is under the umbrella of Stadia, which transforms lives and communities through church planting and plants churches that intentionally care for children, and they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, Sarah and her husband planted Catalyst Christian Church in San Diego a little over two years ago, and she is a mom of two, a blogger, which you can find her at planterwife.com, and an ambassador for the National MS Society, and wait for it, drum roll. She is halfway through her master's degree in theology. So I'm so impressed. I am so impressed. Welcome, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, you are really quite, I mean, you're, you know, an ambassador. That's quite a title. And then halfway through your master's in theology. Seriously, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and having... Two, two children, two small children. That's, that's quite an accomplishment. And I, I just love hearing stories of women that are really going for their, their dreams and their goals in the midst of craziness in, the, in their homes and in their lives and just making life happen. So we totally commend you for that. And, and I have to add that, uh, especially going for your master's degree in theology, like at what point in your life that you go, huh, I want to be better at, like, I don't know, philosophizing or whatever you do. You obviously haven't gone for your master's yet, have you? No. But I will say, just just recently, my my nephew, who has his, his master's degree in theology, uh, I was watching him. There was conflict taking place in one of my family members, and they... It, it, it got into polit, uh, political kind of, you know, heated discussion. And I watched, I don't know if it's the principle of Socrates where you lead these this discussion where you get yes answers. Like he kept asking mm-hmm. these questions and kept getting yes and kept getting yes and kept getting yes. And then finally he like took a dive and then 
like hit the hard topic. Well, if you're saying yes to all this, then wouldn't this make sense? And uh, that's when I saw, ah, you did learn something when you're having to pay all these school loans off. Because it was like a master of, you know, just that technology of being able to truly have that kind of conversation. And I always just go for the throat. So I don't think about that they're crafting it. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, do you know what I'm talking about? Is is it a is it, is that a Socrates principle there to go that? Yeah, route? it's called the Socratic method. It's um, leading somebody else to their own conclusion by asking questions. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question was: so, at what point in your life did you finally go? Huh? I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go back to school and get my master's in theology. Um, it actually happened really quickly. Um, we planted our church a couple years ago, and um, I guess through the whole process of planting, God was changing our hearts, too, and I never wanted to go back to work. <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, and um, I have my bachelor's in Bible and theology, um, but never really wanted to go back um, to work full-time, but as we continue to plant churches, um, we live in a city um, just north of San Diego that has three universities in it, and so many of the people that we come in contact with are, um, they have a higher level of education or they're pursuing a higher level of education, and in order just to be able to engage with them um, and to be able to um, have that validity to what I'm, you know, to presenting Christ, um, I kind of felt like I needed more tools. Um, and then on top of that, we have a neighbor that, uh, he's a professor, he's a biology professor, actually, um, at one of the universities and, um, an atheist. And we go back and forth often and we've been praying for their family. And, um, one of the things he said was like, well, we just don't have any intelligent religion professors. (laughs) I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be a kick? Like, wouldn't that be interesting to teach religion or theology in a public university um, to be able to present it with a Christian background and to be able to answer questions from a Christian perspective um, and to be able to engage people who are, you know, if they're enrolled in theology or religion at a public university, they've got some level of questioning going on. So um, just it's an already open door. So um, that's that's my goal is to be able to go and teach at the university in town and um, be able to engage people at a deeper level and hopefully uh, be a be an ambassador for Christ. That is an amazing goal. Mm-hmm. And so, how long do you think it'll be till you're done with your degree? Um, hopefully next year sometime I will be done. I'm trying to cram it all in because the place that I'm going through um, their seminary charges per semester instead of per unit. So (laughs) the faster I get it done, the less money it costs. (laughs) So I'm trying to get it done sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, good for you. You know, we were talking earlier on the show because we were talking with um, author Hillary Manton Lodge and she wrote the book together at the table. And so we were just kind of talking about, you know, who's sitting around your table, not just for dining purposes, but just, you know, as, as you just share life and share stories and, you know, bringing even different voices together at a kind of a metaphorical table and what could that look like? And and just even your story of, you know, here's who's in my community and here's a comment that was said. So as you are, you're practicing that you're bringing these different voices. And I think as we bring those different voices to the table, that's when we see needs 
and can go, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I could do something about that. Um, so how have you seen that as you, you've been like just um, a little over two years and, and church planning, which that is just hard work, but amazing as you've kind of invested in, in your community and trying to learn, here's the dynamics of my community. And every community has its own DNA. Um, and I mm-hmm. think it's just learning who, who are the people in my community who is sitting around the table with me? What have you discovered besides that was a pretty amazing discovery. Like, okay, there's nobody with this voice and my neighbor saying this, how have you felt like even welcomed at the table with these other voices in your community? Um, it took a lot of learning. Um, our first year here was really hard just trying to break in. And um, we moved from Northern California down to um, San Diego County. And a lot of the people that live here haven't lived here very long. Our city is over 80% of the homes in our city have been built in the last 15 to 20 years. So pretty much everybody here is new, but at the same time, that makes everybody kind of skeptical of each other. Um, so just kind of learning um, where people are at with their faith. Um, our city is also very unreached and de-churched. We've got a lot of people that are... Um, they've been hurt by churches in the past. So we we did a lot of um, servant evangelism and just trying to be um, just trying to be love and let them know that we love them. Um, we've we've done a lot of like passing out water at sports parks and um, that kind of thing. Just trying to to be good news. Um, but as far as like our community. It took us a while to, to figure out that in order to reach our community, we couldn't be uh, full-time in ministry. Um, we're still full-time in ministry, but we also had to have another in. Um, so about a year and a half ago, we started uh, our own business. That um, It's a marketing and design firm that my husband runs and um, with his friend, and they are, have been able to... Um, that's opened so many doors into our community because telling people you're a pastor here just is an automatic door in the face. So being able to, you know, engage with them on a different level has been, um, that's been what's opened the doors here. Um, but it took us a while to learn that. Mm. Well, go ahead. It kind of goes back to speaking their language, right? It's like, yeah. They don't do the pastor language really well. Mm-hmm. And like you said, unfortunately, too many people have been wounded by church in the past, and they're still carrying those scars, and they project that onto what you're trying to, you know. And, and I, it, it goes back to kind of religion gone bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I've had enough mm-hmm. of religion, and what we're trying to do is, no, it's not about religion. It's about Jesus. And, you mm-hmm. know, if you just understood who he is and if we can get out of the way. Um, but I love how you're like, okay, so here's, here's our angle. Here's our route, you know, doing a, a talent that God gave you. And, and using mm-hmm. that as a, as a connection point. And I think that's our challenge is how do we find those connection points mm-hmm. of bridging, you know, building bridges with the others? Well, and you even yeah. going back to, you know, biblical times when they were tent makers, that they really did get involved and had that place of commonality. Because, I mean, you've even shared stories, like if you say, I'm even a pastor's wife, it changes the dialogue, Mm -hmm. it changes how people see you, and it's It changes their language, too. It does. It's like they have to talk Christianese or something, you know, they they Mm -hmm. have to spiritualize it, because now, oh, you're going to judge me, you're going to see me less than, and um, it's I want you to see the goodness in me, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, just be you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't really Mm -hmm. care. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard because you're like, okay, I just, you're okay with who you are. Um, and, and, and it's like, so going in like with the marketing, and I love that you're going in with this, okay, I'm going to teach in the university and use my voice 
in that way to challenge people. And I think we haven't given them good reason, the, you know, the world at large, good reasons to fall in love with Jesus because we have not projected, mm-hmm. put him in a good light, you know? Um, yeah. And, and if you, if you look in the Bible, people love Jesus. Everybody was drawn to him. Yeah. It's just us that they're not drawn to. And so it's yeah. really, how do we kind of up our game mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. and, and lean into that? So, okay, so you guys just in the community, what is the thing, wh- where did you move from? So is San Diego a lot different than where you had moved from? Um, we moved from Central California. So um, it's still California context in a lot of ways. There's different um like, we moved from an agricultural city to, you know, San Diego, which is not at all ag- agricultural. Um, but different, you know, different things like that. Um, but mostly the same people, you know, same same stories, <laughs> um, yeah. a lot of the same backgrounds. Um, you know, it's just we're learning, you know, everybody has that. When you were talking about connection point, everybody has that uh, that piece that they're looking for healing in. Um, and I think that's, that's true across the board. And so we've been able to, you know, because we don't start out with, Hey, I'm a pastor <laughs> or yes. I'm a pastor's wife yes. or we're church planters. Um, we've been able to, um, have people open up to us and be like, Hey, I'm really hurting in this, in this regard. And it's like, well, why don't you come to my church? And then, you know, hopefully we can, you can, you can meet Jesus. Who's the great healer. And, yes. and that it's been a connection point for us to be able to, um, you know, people open up to us more and, um, having that, you know, when people are open and vulnerable with you of where they're struggling or where they're hurting and you know where they can find healing, um, to come sit it's, around the it's table. definitely, yeah, yeah. it's definitely well, Sarah, a connection to, point. We have, to take a, we have to take a break. I just want, we just want to thank you for joining our show and just sharing the work you are doing and how you are truly connecting with people and stepping over lines and bounds. So thanks for joining our show today. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Until next time. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 